The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exile of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. You think of how many trillions of stars there are in the world. And God calls each of them by name. Names are important to God. Look over at Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, just the next book. Flip over. Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. What we're going to talk about today is worth more than silver or gold. It's worth more than money. It's worth more than possessions. It's about your name. Who are you? So let's start in chapter 1 of your life with the name giver. Look over in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, I know that the singles are out and they're having their worship in the park. And normally when I'm preaching, it's very energetic and very loud. So I'm starting to think, is it the singles that is making our singles energetic? No, no, no. I could be wrong. But I, 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 just, I just want to tune in on that. Come on, Maurice. We're with you. Because in case you didn't know, our service starts at 10 a.m. <laughs> Not at 10.15, not at 10.30. The singing starts at 10 a.m. is when we're going to hit that first up. I know sometimes the public transportation can be a little late. There's issues sometimes, not every Sunday. Our service starts at 10. So at 10 o'clock, when you come in, you need to come in prepared. 9.45, 9.50. Fellowship and come in ready to worship God. That's how the church is going to be Now we have prayer, we have contributions. By the time I get up here, we should be so up into this thing. It ain't even a question of what's going on. It's in that the pull you into loving God, pull you into being thankful for eternal life. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm sorry, did I get that? What time does service start? 10 o'clock! <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us draw up everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, it says Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. What does an author do? An author writes. That's what it is. Jesus wrote our name. Jesus is the one that is looking for us to give us a name. So, God, Jesus says, I have a name for you. But you know what? Somebody else has a name for you, too. And that's Satan. Satan has a name for you. Jesus has a name for you. So the question is, which name are you going to go by? 
Because you're going to get a name, but you got to decide which one am I going to live by. See, a lot of times people uh, write a story, but most of us are not really equipped with the skills to write a story. So we get some help. For example, if you're writing on a computer, you got the computer spell check. Uh, if you're texting on your phone, they got auto spell. I mean, there's all different kind of ways you can get help. Even when people write uh, autobiography, it may say something like uh, Bill Gates and so-and-so. Well, so-and-so wrote it. Because we need help in writing our names. Satan has a name for you, and God has a name for you. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you guys heard of uh, ghost writers? Yeah. The disciple of Jesus has the Holy Ghost writer. So you can decide if I want to ride on this train or I want to ride on this train. But either way, you're going to have to ride on one train or the other. Now the incredible thing is that the, the name that God wants to give you, look at what he said in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what Jesus wants to write. He knows your story. He wants to give you hope and a future. Jesus said, this is the story for you. Now, at the same time, Satan said, I got a story for you too. But Satan's story is a lot of fiction in this story. God says, I have a story for you. And my story wants you to use your talents that you have. Some of you have musical talents, and you know you should be up here praising God on stage, doing some worship dance, maybe you're doing some kind of mime, you're using your talents on the drums, guitar, you have talents out there that you're choosing to say, I, I, I don't think I'm going to use that because I may sing out no one day, or it may not be just right, so I'm just going to sit back and listen to everybody else. Some of you guys have artistic talents. That you can come up with something creative, maybe a, a logo for our church that we put on the front of that so we can take it off when we leave. So you got all kinds of talent, maybe it's athletic talent, that you can do some great things if you use it for God. Let that influence you to help the younger people like we talked about at camp. Some of you have so many talents, but you're choosing to just sit back and not use those talents. God has written those talents into your life to give you hope and a great future, and you're choosing not to let him write that chapter of your life. Right. Do not let fear stop you from using your talent. Wow. You know, before I became a Christian, I used to cuss so much you would think I was born in New York City. <laughs> Don't use your time as hard. How the owner comes back and not very happy with you. 
Think of how God feels. I'm giving you so much talent and ability, and you're choosing not to step up and use it. What is wrong with my children? You know, when you see your kids and how much they can do in school, don't you like, okay, let's do something. Let's do this. I'll get you tutors. I'll help you. You have so much ability. Don't waste it. That's what God is saying to many of us in here today. You have so much to offer. And when are you going to start offering it? Because we're listening to that fictional writer, Satan. And the word he likes to put in there is impossible. See, what did Jesus say? With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And you know what, what it is about fictional writing that's scary is that the best fiction has some truth in it. You know those books you read or a movie you see that can be like real? That's when it's scary. See, I, I no longer go to any scary movies on earth. I'm not doing it. I went to a scary movie, The, the Conjuring. And in this movie, uh, the, the man walks in and bought the house and, and he has two daughters at the top of the stairs. They have on their white pajamas and they're just kind of looking at him. And then he starts walking upstairs. Hey, honey. And then it just gets really bad. <laughs> so I watch the movie. I come home this late at night. I walk in, I turn on the lights. And on the top of the stairs, my two daughters. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at it. And I figure, okay, it's pretty late. They should be in there asleep. <laughs> so they heard me come in, so they pop up to, to go see how daddy's doing. I'm thinking that's what they come to see. So I turn on the light, and they're at the top of the stairs. I'm looking at them, they're looking at me. <laughs> not wearing a I said, go to bed, go to bed. Yeah. 
chapter 7. Now, you being here today, that says something good. You're writing a good chapter in your book. But let me say this. We don't want Sunday members in our congregation. It can't just be showing up on Sunday. You've got to live this life outside of Sunday. You've got to live this life when it's time to have a men and women's midweeks. You've got to live this life when your mission group is getting together. You've got to live this life when you're at work or at school. It's not just a Sunday church goer. We're talking about your lifestyle needs to be like this. You see, there's going to come a day when the truth behind your name will be tested. And we've got to realize again, there's two writers, right? Jesus and the false writer. Look at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. See, this is a false writer. They look all nice and neat, put the picture together, but inside, ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from briars? It says, listen, you got to understand, fiction is one thing. It may appear good, but it's still fiction. Look in verse 21, chapter 7, verse 21. This is very sober. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is sober. Because what is God saying? He's saying, I don't know your name. I don't know you. But wait, we cast out demons, we perform many miracles. But I don't know your name. But look at what I did. I came to church every Sunday. I even gave contribution. I did a communion once. But I don't know your name. Look at all the things I did. Did some good things. But I don't know you. Away from me. See, what is the story behind your name? This is what Jesus is more concerned with. Are you going by the name that God is asking you to go by? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that what you're all about? Is that the story behind your name? Or is the story behind your name is anger, bitterness, impurity, hatred, resentment? What really is the story behind your name? So right now, God came down and said, okay, let's just look at what your life is all about. Why are you still so angry with somebody for 7, 8, 20 years? Jesus died for you to go to heaven, forgave you of all the things you did, even before you asked for forgiveness. But yet, you cannot forgive somebody in your heart for something that happened that long ago. And yet, you may even go to church with them and worship with them, but you won't even talk to them. He's going to say, I don't know you. But I was in your church, but I don't know you. I know the story behind your name, and that's not the name I gave you. But I don't know you. See, you've got to ask yourself, what is the real story behind your name? 
chapter 1. Now let's look at chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The first one was the land giver. The second point is the race. We are in a race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You realize there's a race that's marked out for each of us in this room. Whether you're a Christian or not, does not matter. There's a race marked out for you. And it says, let us run with perseverance. We have such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, they're, they're, the people are looking down, the saints are watching. God is trying to help us. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But here's the thing, this race is not a sprint. Like I shared before, I am not a distance runner. I am strictly a sprinter. When I was in the fire department, we had to run, every, every rookie had to run a 5K. I didn't even know how far that was when they first said 5K. It's just too far. That's all I know. <laughs> and so you wear your firefighter jersey and you're out running and has your name on the front, your department on the back. And so everybody has to run. You can run it, you can walk it, you can do whatever. So they like the fire department because it's kind of like publicity. You're in the community and different things like that. So we're running, we're running. All these firefighters left me and they were way down there ahead of me just jogging and talking. And I'm like, I jog a little bit, stop, take a breath, and start walking, jogging. I'm like, man, I, I'm going to crap up. I'm just going to be smart and finish this race. I don't care how long it takes me. So I get to the end, and there's all of a sudden uh, the cameraman and news people, and they take a picture of me crossing the finish line. And some of the firefighters are upset, like, how he, he was laughing. How he get a picture in the newspaper? <laughs> but it turned out not to be that good, because when they took the picture of me crossing the finish line, there was a 73-year-old lady in front of me. <laughs> and that was the picture. They, they had my back with my name and everything, but they also had the lady in front running. So they posted this newspaper over every window of the fire station, and the old lady ran faster than the college football. <laughs> and I said to myself, I said, son, as long as I finish the race. Guys, we gotta understand, that's what this is about. Your spiritual journey is not a sprint. It is a long marathon. Look at Genesis chapter 17. The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 17. In verse 1. This is when Abraham got his name. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abram, 99 years old. And God says, I'm giving you a new name. Listen. 
There is no age in which you cannot come to the Lord and get a new name. He's a 99 years old. And God says, now I'm ready to use you. This is incredible. And you got to remember, back in Hebrews 12, when we said, there's a great cloud of witnesses that says, throw off everything that entangles you. When I first read that extra thing, it's talking about like all the different sins. You know, impurity, immorality, all these things will entangle you. But the book of Hebrews is talking about faith. And what this is talking about in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 here, it says we need to throw off all the sin of unbelief that so easily entangles you. Yes. Now you think about it. What is one of the things that is the easiest thing sin to do? To be faithless. Just to kind of give up. Quickly, from all different angles. Something that happened, lose faith. Something that happened, I'm depressed. Something that happened, oh, it's not going to work out. We are quick to lose faith. Yeah. Something doesn't go right. He says you need to throw away anything that causes you to lose faith. Ah! It's easy to lose faith. See, we are in a spiritual race. And a lot of times when we're running, if we have to run a long way, it's like, you know what, I feel like I'm going to puke. i got to stop. That's exactly what I was thinking. I don't want to puke in front of all these people, so I'm just going to walk as I run my 5K. Sometimes that's what our spiritual life is like. We feel like, man, I just hit a hard time. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I just need to give up. Let me just sit down. And that's the problem. Sometimes people get out of the race, and they're one of the people that just hands cups to everybody of water as they're running by. No longer really fully in the race, but they're there on the sideline just giving out water. Guys, when you're in a race, you get one of those little numbers in your front or in the back that says, I'm fully engaged in this race. What's your number? What number has God given you? Satan gave you a number, too. But no, God has given you a number. He went to Abraham. He said, at 99 years of age, things are going to change for you. And better yet, your wife is going to have a baby. He was 100 years old. His wife, it said in the Bible that her womb was as good as dead. But yet, they had a baby. Now, we, that's just incredible, first of all. But if God could do that in that situation... Think of what he can do in our situation. If he can do something that incredible for somebody 99 years old, to think of having a child at 99, I'm not even 50 years old, and I think, I don't want another little baby kid running around. That's enough for me, too. I love y'all. Look over at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring breathe. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and in Sarah's womb was already dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. You know, it says that he did not waver in God's promises. 
You know, God has promised each of us a lot of things. And even if times are hard, the question is, am I going to believe the promises of the one true God that does not lie? If nothing else, and you're having a hard time, you just got to think, what are the promises of God? If you don't know nothing else, remember what we said, Jeremiah 29. He promised you hope and a future. He's not here to harm us. He's here to help us. He tells us, even if your kids go astray, as long as you talk them the right way, they will come back into the way. You know what? Regardless of what happens, we've got to hold on to the promises. Even though it may not look like that, hold to the promises because God is true. God is God. He will bring it back to us. Chapter 1 was a name giver. Chapter 2 was a race. You know, the tortoise and the hare, we all know that story. The issue isn't who's the fastest. The issue is who's going to run the entire time. The issue isn't who's more spiritual. The issue is who's going to stay spiritual. The tortoise, he ran fast. It was slow, but he kept running. The rabbit, he was flying by. Shoo! But you know what? Then he stopped. Hey, what's going on? He started hanging out. He started looking around, see what's happening. Took a little siesta, a little vacation time. Took some time out of the race. Sometimes people say that. I'm taking some time out of my relationship with God. Are you serious? How? How are you going to get away from God? Seriously, where are you going to go? You can't take a vacation from God. But you understand, I need some R&R, &R, some uh, rest and relaxation. You know, what you need is R&R, &R, repentance and revival. That's what you need. Because one day you're going to wake up too late, just like the tortoise. Oh, I'm sorry, like the hare. But then if you wake up too late, God's going to say, I never knew you. See, some of us here need to wake up today. You're planning on waking up sometime. You don't even have a deadline. Sometime I'm going to wake up and get involved. You may not wake up. And if you don't, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Who are you? I was the one that was going to wake up, Jesus, but you didn't. Who are you? I'm the one that was there. Don't you remember? You know my heart. I was going to. But you're not. Who are you? Point number three is the crown. First one's the name giver. We see the race, but now we need to see the crown. First Corinthians 9, verse 24. First Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. You know, that's the amazing thing, is that we've already won the race. We just have to stay in the race. Because of what Jesus did, we already won. You already are the, on the Olympic getting the gold around your neck. It's there. You just have to continue to compete within the guidelines of the rules. Verse 25 says again, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training 
They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, strict training. People that really want to excel and do great, they get some help when they train. They have a coach. They have a manager. They have a partner with them in it. It's the same thing in our spiritual journey. None of us can do this alone. You try it. I try it. It does not work. When I tried it, my marriage started getting bad. Kids started getting out of control. Those wings, angel wings went down. Horns came out. Finances went down. Think of it. When you try it on your own, think of where that gets you. But yet God says, look, I've got hundreds of people. You can pick somebody to be your spiritual partner. Help you in this journey. Stop trying to do it by yourself. It's not going to work. You need to wake up. Because sometimes people want to stay asleep. And you may wake up too late. The Roaring Twenties were an incredible time in Chicago. It was a time in which even Al Capone was there. The name means something, Judas, Hitler. Those are names given up by the other giver. Al Capone amassed an incredible fortune. Of all the men he had with him, there was one man that got the name Arco Eddie. He was a lawyer. Arco Eddie was he was so smooth that when Capone would get arrested, he would come up with ways to get him off. Arco Eddie was brought up on charges of over two hundred thousand dollars in illegal liquor sales, and he was even able to get out of that situation. Al Capone took notice of him and put him in charge of his local dog racing, which was fixed by the mob. Eddie was so sneaky that he even stole the patent on the rabbit that goes around the track in which the dog chases. So anytime a dog track was built, Capone got paid. Eddie starred ten dogs the day before. Then the day of the race, he would feed nine of the dogs. So to fix it, so only one dog would not be sluggish. Large amounts of money were being amassed by Eddie. One day he went and he squealed on Capone. He told him all the rackets he had. The police could not believe it. They said, why would you do this knowing, telling on Capone means certain death? Later Capone was brought up on charges of money laundering and fraud. They said that when Eddie got there, he was asked, why are you doing this? Eddie said in response, I have a son. The name I leave my son, I do not want to be tarnished with all the guilt that I have. So I want to clear my name so that my son can have a chance. They said, do you understand? We cannot guarantee your protection. Eddie said, it doesn't matter. I have to do this for my son. I have to do this for me. They got Al Capone a few weeks later. Arco Eddie then was shot in the face with a shotgun and died. But his name has been honored. It was accepted even at the Naval Training Base because his son, Butch O'Hare, Edward O'Hare, gave his life so his name could be changed for his son. His son became the man that we talked about earlier, Butch O'Hare. See, the question is this. Are you eager to get your name changed for God? It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how old you are. 
Because he went to Abram in 99. Are you willing to change your name from anger, hatred, bitterness, jealousy, envy, impurity, immorality, whatever it may be, to the name that God wants to give you? Are you eager to get into the race? Are you eager to finish the race? It doesn't matter how fast it is. It's not about a sprint. It's about staying consistent and continuing to run. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't even look for another way out. Don't be deceived by Satan and his fictional writing. Satan wants royalties to your life. But God says, I'm the name giver. I want you in this race. And I am here to help you. To the very end. I love you. To God be the glory. Let's get it.